0: Welcome to another episode of the Fretboard Confessional. My name is Chris McKee. And I'm Cooper Greenberg. We are coming to you uh, not live because you're listening to a podcast, <laughs> uh, but we are here in San Antonio, Texas with Alamo Music, and uh, we're here to talk about guitars and stuff. How are you doing, Cooper?
1: I'm doing good, man. Taking Happy birthday. Easy. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes, you're 26? 26. 26. I feel old. Well, I am older. I told Chris today it's finally too old for DiCaprio.
0: Missed you know? <laughs> Miss my shot. I've been too old for DiCaprio for ever since DiCaprio was not too old Di- for you.
1: That's right. You know? yeah. He doesn't have a say in that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I was thinking about it the other uh earlier this morning. Like so I met you when you were like 17.
1: Something like that. Maybe yeah, I had to be around there.
0: Around there, yeah. Cuz I started working here at, back in 2013. It's wild, so, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you he so for people listening Cooper's the guy who would come in, you know, a high schooler and just put everyone to shame and you're but you were always so nice about it. You're like, "Hey man, let's jam." And I was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> you know what? Now,
1: you know, I thought back then I'm like, "Man, I really hope those guys think I'm cool." But now I see the high school kids that come in here and shred and I'm like, "Get out of here,
0: dude." Well, just so that you know, we did think you were cool. Oh, thank you. Yes.
1: I thought you guys were cool. That's why I hung out there all the time. Yeah.
0: Well, you were wrong about that. So, <laughs> um, so speaking of cool and uh, people hanging out playing guitar and, you know, guitar community, there's a very specific thing that I wanted to talk about and kind of get off my chest today for your birthday. Yeah. Um, so, and I, and I asked you if you'd seen this. On TikTok, this kind of controversial thing has uh, unfolded with uh, this these podcasters talking about guitar. And ragging on people who play Epiphone. Now, I've heard there's a little bit more to this. Like, one of the podcasters, uh, she evidently was being pursued by some guy who played Epiphone. But (laughs) they have also kind of, like, doubled down on it. Like, people who play Epiphone are pieces of garbage or something to that effect, or they're super annoying. And then someone kind of, and I think from the podcast, then went a little further. Like, oh, yeah, and Taylor guitar owners, they're the worst. When I worked at Guitar Center, they were really, really bad. And they all wore, drove like $200,000 vehicles. And first of all, if you drive a $200,000 vehicle, please come be an Alamo Music customer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will get you whatever guitar you want. But uh, you know what hit me about it and what I wanted to talk about today was there's wonderful things that happen in the music communities and in guitar communities. But forever... There has been this like really toxic trait, yeah, in the guitar community, particularly online, you know. And I don't know if you, you tell me, were you ever back in the day on like Harmony Central forums? Yeah, I've read through a lot of those. <laughs> I ne- I was a longtime lurker, no time poster. <laughs> You know, and it seems like no matter where the community is, particularly online, you, we know how this works on the internet, right? People have anonymity. Yeah. And so they'll say stupid stuff. But in this particular case, I mean, these people are on a filmed live podcast saying these things. And, you know, maybe they meant it tongue in cheek. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe. But I don't know. It really, it, it strikes a nerve in me because I think for the most part, guitar players, you know, you all start, everyone starts somewhere. Yeah. And you're never, like, there's always going to be someone better than you. For sure. Is it constructive to kind of approach these generalities about brands or musical styles or, yeah. you know, anything and be constructive with it?
1: No. Um, you know, looking through, I've always, when I've bought a guitar, I've end up, I look up so much stuff about it and previous owners and what people think. And if you dig long enough, you find something bashing everything out there. There's yeah. no, like, end-all, be-all. This is the best guitar of all time. Even when you get into vintage stuff that's like holy grail, then people are like, well, it's overrated. It's actually trash. Um, and I've been seeing it a lot. It, it almost feels like anytime a brand puts out a new thing that mm-hmm. they're just trying to switch things up a little bit. I mean, we've seen it this year from Gibson, Fender, Taylor, Martin, everybody. There's always somebody that's like, this is super cool. Good on Martin for switching it up, you know, with the SCs or whatever. Right. And then there's somebody, plenty of people that are like, what is Martin doing? They've sullied
0: the name of a once great company. (laughs) Um, It's so dramatic, too. Yeah. It's It's crazy. The end is nigh because they've come out with this new model.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean... I have had plenty of opinions on specific guitars that have come out and we've been pretty transparent about sure. it on our YouTube channel stuff that I, I, I'm not tooting our horn over here, but it's always, this is our opinion at least saying, but this is the kind of person that would dig this, that this would be perfect for you. you got to throw some sort of uh recommendation because it's out there for somebody yeah. and somebody is going to find joy playing it. Um, you know we've well,
0: and that's kind of the point right i mean it's to find joy playing it yeah i don't think most you look at the grand scheme of things right most people who buy a guitar are not going to become famous musicians playing guitar yeah and that's not the point it's yeah. to enjoy playing music if you become a famous musician or whatever i guarantee you that most of the time probably 99.9% of the time you happen to have a talent and you resonated with an audience and and the dominoes fell in the right way and you were able to find success doing it. But you didn't start with that end in mind. Yeah. You fell in love with music. I doubt very seriously, because I know there's a problem. So this is something I've heard recently. There's a lot of cats in Nashville right now that are like trust fund babies that are trying to make it big. You know, they've got money and they're backed and that's why they're there doing this. Yeah. But if if that's your... If that's the end goal and pursuit, you're going to get really tired of making music at some point.
1: Yeah, I will say, so when I lived in Nashville, I was going to Belmont and in my dorm building, like on our floor, there were a few different people that were like that. They came mostly from Los Angeles, their Mm -hmm. parents had something to do with some record that came out 25 years ago. And then, and like everybody in that school was extremely talented. And I met some amazing players. I have a very good friend named Michael Dino um, that was just doing his thing. He was an audio engineering major. He's doing awesome stuff right now, but he was on the grind for a long time. And uh, the guys that got big right after college were all those guys that were backed in a way. It was helpful. Yeah, it was extremely helpful. And I started seeing like seeing these people that I knew from school like on Instagram, and then I don't know where it's like they're at Coachella, they got a big hit. There's <laughs> some guys that did a song with Elton John that was like some radio pop wow. hit, and it's like you didn't even have to go to that school, right? Just go do your thing. Just but do your thing. Yeah. yeah, I will say that a lot of those guys played Gibson guitars.
0: Well, yeah, you know, I mean, you walk around Nashville and it's like... It's Gibson town. You know, one of the funniest things I ever saw, though, is if you're if if you listening to this, if you ever go to the Nashville airport, there's this Gibson cafe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually make a point to go there. I'm not actually endorsing the food as being the highest quality. It's mm. just cool. I'm waiting on my flight. I'll go. I'll have, you know, a drink, I'll have some food, whatever. And there's people playing music. And the last two times I was there, they were playing Fender guitars which I just Oof. thought was hilarious.
1: <laughs> so. If you're opening up a Gibson cafe in the Nashville airport, how do you not have a menu that's themed on?
0: Right. Yeah. It seems like a missed opportunity. We're going to show them when we, when we do ala mode music. Yeah. I want to do a La mode so And we're going to have our, our music themed yeah. ice cream choices. Yes. I'm just
1: trying to think like, you know, some menus have like c- kind of a more experimental section with kind of wild stuff. Like just make that, you know, the Explorer.
0: Like, you gotta explore your palate over here. That's what they should call the Nashville hot chicken there because it's not Nashville hot chicken. They should call it something else. Hot take: worst Nashville hot chicken I've had is in the Nashville airport at the Gibson Cafe.
1: We're coming for you, Gibson.
0: <laughs> Love your guitars. They call that Montana Miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, so getting back to the the thing with guitars, though, you know, there's categories people criticize. Yeah, and and I get. I get some of it, but I don't understand it. So, and it falls on these extremes. Like some people criticize the term blues lawyer. Yeah. And a blues lawyer, if you don't know, is, is basically this not very flattering term for somebody who's older that's has discretionary income (laughs) that can buy a very nice guitar, but is not a very good player generally because they're just starting out. Yeah. Here's the question outside of jealousy. What the hell's the problem? Like, yeah. other than you being mad that they have money you don't have, and so they can afford some custom shopless Paul that you can't afford, what's the problem? The, it, it's not like everyone who buys a Porsche is a race car driver. The silver
1: lining there is that the blues lawyer does not give a care in the world True. about what to think about them. The thing that I think is, so I, I mentioned there's been new products, right? And not just this year, in the last few years. I will name a couple of the most polarizing, I think, online. Go for it. You already know what I'm going to say. The Acoustasonic's and the Generation Collection from Gibson. Vener and Gibson, they've been making the same Les Paul and the same Stratocaster for years. They're doing something different, and both of those guitars can be argued that it is purely for players' enjoyment.
0: Well, and let's let's expand upon that. So with Gibson, for instance, a huge criticism is... They're too expensive. Okay. Now, I will say to you that Gibson makes some very expensive guitars. Yeah. Right. And uh, I will also tell you that memories are short. Back in 2015, Gibson leadership, you know, when Henry Jeskowitz, or I forget how you pronounce his last name, was in charge, um, they made a, a very bad mistake. They put a bunch of robotic tuners that nobody asked for on a bunch of guitars. And they increased the price by like 30%. Okay. Good call. Yeah. They went through bankruptcy. He was ousted as CEO. They have new leadership. They brought back guitars. And you know what they did? They lowered the price back down. So if you get a standard, you know, 50s Les Paul, you're getting an American made guitar with a carved maple top, a set neck, you know, all of this stuff for around three grand. Yeah. I don't find that terribly expensive when you look at. You know, an upper-end fender that is a bolt-on neck that is, in fairness, a more modular design construction that's also made in the U.S., is only about $1,000 cheaper. Yeah. And there's a lot more labor that goes into the Gibson. And so, to me, it kind of makes sense. But if you say, okay, that's too expensive, fair. You've also got the classic. You've got tributes. You've got, like, they make, in the U.S., Gibson makes some of the most affordable U.S. guitar models yeah. of a, of any manufacturer, whether it's these generation collections or like a Tribute Les Paul. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's why I, so I don't get it.
1: They do have... That's the thing. They make options for everybody. Yeah. And then if you don't have an option there, then you go to Epiphone. Yeah. And Epiphone makes a great guitar. I pulled up a Bourbon Burst Les Paul Standard. It's great. Yeah. If you don't look at the headstock... It, It's on the wall. It looks that's the custom shop or the
0: 59, right?
1: No, it's just a straight up standard and it looks really great. Um, Some of those things that you get from the Gibson aren't there, but still great guitar. And then you get somebody on TikTok calling you lame.
0: Well, and here's the thing, too like we just shot a video, you and I today shot a video with an Epiphone Texan that's made in the USA. Yeah. And we compared it to a Gibson J45 that's made in the USA. Yeah. And they're both about the same money. They're both US made. They're both fantastic guitars. And so, because one says Epiphone on the headstock, it gets looked at differently. Yeah. And just, it that ticks me off.
1: There, We put out a video not too long ago that was just a solo video on the Texan. And a lot of the comments were like, if it's good enough for McCartney, it's good enough for me. There you go. But are we at a point where you got to just see some guy in the 60s playing one that makes you think it's okay to buy it because nobody said that about the Frontier.
0: Yeah. Frontier is a cool guitar. Very cool guitar.
1: But there's not like a... Arguably
0: cooler guitar, some of the designs on the Frontier.
1: Yeah. And it's just a, it's a more luxurious guitar. You know, the Texan, just like a J45, pretty workhorse kind of bare bones thing, which is why it's cool. But... Same thing with casinos no nobody's going to look for a Epiphone ES335, but all these people are looking for a you know import Epiphone casino because oh well John Lennon played one.
0: I have to give a shout out. So one of the guys on TikTok who I follow, his name's Eric Russell. Yeah. He's a great guitar player. He seems to really know his stuff. I feel like I know him from somewhere and I can't place it. so if Eric, you ever listen to this, We've met, I think, and you're you're a cool cat. He was pretty critical of this response to Epiphone, and then I saw he did a cool video showing this like John Joe Bonamassa Epiphone, you know, yeah. three thirty five, and you know there's something to be said, and we've talked about this before. We are in a lot of ways in the golden age of guitar manufacturing. Yeah, it's not the the '60s or the '50s. That wasn't the golden age. That was the start. of a lot of what we call modern electric guitars today and acoustic guitars, you know, around then and even earlier. But with modern techniques and consistency and choice, you know, and the fact that the lower price points, the quality is so good. Look, if you take a 70s Les Paul and you give me the choice between a 70s Les Paul that has more density than a black hole versus a, you know, made this year Epiphone Les Paul, I'm probably choosing the Epiphone Les Paul. Yeah, you know, and so, can here's here's what I'm hoping. There's a very vocal minority, I think, of the guitar population or the guitar community that hyper focuses on brands like a uh, PRS is for this kind of people or or whatever, yeah. you know, or particular types of players. Blues lawyers suck. Why? Because they have more money than you can buy a nicer guitar. When they're starting out in their 40s to learn to play, they're learning to play. They can afford it. Good for them. Yeah. You You can't afford it. That's okay. Guess what? The guitars that you're able to afford now are better than guitars that were in that price point 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the quieter majority of people that are like, you know what? Just play the instrument and get love and enjoyment of it. will start to be louder than this very vocal minority. At least I hope. Yeah. I might be wrong. It may be a vocal majority of people that just hate on other people. Everybody hates everybody. I love twenty twenty two.
1: I will say that there is some truth in a comment that you made earlier, but I want to dive into it a little bit. Yes. Um, somebody that you heard said Taylor owners are the worst, <laughs> and they're not the worst. They're some of the best. But I have found that Taylor owners are some of the most picky guitar like deep dive like they learn every single thing about their guitar and i think that's a good thing mm-hmm. and i think with more i mean taylor is a legacy brand at this point it's sure. not like they're still yeah, the new they're not an the anymore but i find that people that buy taylor's um and play them and enjoy them get more into the actual dna of the guitar than a lot of other brands and i think that sort of corresponds, even, I mean, it's not even the blues lawyer Taylor that's playing the presentation series. There are people that have every single GS mini and get into like the nuts and bolts of every single Taylor guitar. And I want to know why you think that is. I'm sure you've heard the same thing, but then seen it with Taylor. Why? Why?
0: Uh, And PRS owners are like this too. Yeah. And the reason is because of the companies and what the companies have focused on and how they have chosen to communicate. So, and I'm going to compare it with legacy brands like Martin and Fender and Gibson. Taylor, I remember when I was first introduced to them in this catalog that I've talked about, this red catalog back in the, in the late 90s, they, at the very front of the catalog, talked about the difference between laminate, layered wood versus solid wood. And at the time, the only thing they made that had laminate back and sides was a baby tailor. And of course it's expanded. Yeah. And, um, they talked quite a bit about their, the different types of tone woods. Um, they were big about educating customers on humidification. Um, you know, each time that they've tried to do something, they've, they've been very kind of information forward, with this is why we're doing this neck design. This is why we're changing this neck design. This is why we're doing this, you know, and, and you can say in both ways, one, it's very clever marketing because I think, you know, this is what I believe and why we do some of the, make some of the decisions we do from our marketing standpoint or with our videos. You call it marketing. I just like talking about guitars, but, um, I think when you seek to educate, um, consumers, you are acting more in a consultative role, yeah, and um, and they trust you because you're just trying to educate them, right? That's very different from how a lot of manufacturers do. And the other part of it too is um, Bob Taylor comes from like a a background where it's about tooling and manufacturing um, and trying to you know trying to make a better guitar in a factory. Mm -hmm. Um, He's probably one of the first people that would tell you that uh, like an individual builder could make a better guitar on its own, Mm -hmm. but could they build 10 better guitars in a row? Yeah. You know, and have them be stellar guitars, you know, that's, that's really the difficult thing to do. So they, and, and PRS too, PRS has been a big thing of, you know, and I think it's part partly because the the guys who started these companies are still there. Mm-hmm. You know, if Orville Gibson was still around, <laughs> what he would probably publicly speak on would be about designs. Yeah. You know, because you've got a guitar builder at the at the helm at PRS. That's Paul's deal, right? And so what he is about is how can we squeeze out the absolute best of an instrument. And whether you like his instruments or you don't like his instruments, you find them to be awesome, you find them to be pretentious, whatever. That's his thing. And so that's what they focus on and communicate. It's a big reason that I think Taylor decided that, you know, in the, the next chapter was going to get led by a guitar builder. Yeah. Not a business person.
1: Yeah, you don't see a ton of Taylor marketing that's like, the way we've been doing it forever, you know, which is a big message in a lot of other companies. It's like still handmade since blah, 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 whatever year. It's always about, this is a new idea that we came up with. Check it out. Right. You know,
0: now we have, I think for our part, try to bring an understanding and an aspect of these things to other manufacturers. Um, It's easy to do with some companies like with Martin. Martin is In some respects, doing what I've wanted them to do for a long time, which is not letting go of what made them great, but also looking to uh, change and modernize and improve their guitars. Because I think Martin makes some really phenomenal guitars. Yeah. But you can only make a D28 so many times, you know. And so when they came out with a reimagined version, I was really happy. Yeah. Like I was, I, and, and they did it because I was right. In my opinion, the line had kind of become stale. Yeah. And so they made changes from playability and sound and, and aesthetics and stuff that really. And now
1: that's the one everybody wants. Yeah. Likes.
0: That's the one everyone wants. Um, when they came out with the SC model, it really was, it really, it, you know, it was focused uh, leaning. It was, or future focused, but you've been to the, the museum mm-hmm. at the factory Earliest Martins could be adjusted with a neck angle with like, yeah, a little key. Yeah, you know,
1: so played that stuff for headstock with the key in it. Yeah, it's with so the ebony cool. and and yeah. and
0: uh, ivory neck is crazy. So cool. And so, yeah, I think these are manufacturers manufactured instruments, yeah. right? And they're modern. They're not a cello that came into its like pinnacle of design four hundred years ago. Yeah. You know, they're young um, and there's a lot of marketing and they, they were born in factories. Um, and I think that makes them a little bit unique in the instrument world compared to a lot of other things. Yeah, um, But they are all still unique. You know, as long as we're working with wood, there's going to be inconsistencies and peculiarities that are fantastic about guitars. And I really want both led- legendary legacy brands to have a future that remembers where they came from while being future-focused on what they can build going forward. And I also want upstarts that are coming up with crazy new designs and stuff to have their place and for them to be appreciated for what they are. Well, I got...
1: So, I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to say that for Alamo Music and our guitar realm that you and I... Oversee, I would say that the Alamo Music Mount Rushmore of guitar brands would be those four that we're talking about: mm-hmm. Fender, Gibson, Martin,
0: and Taylor. Do you? We think... can't carry PRS. Yeah. Well, I'm a I, I'm a big PRS fan. I own a PRS. So yeah, I know. we've been trying. Mad respect to Paul.
1: Um, do you think that there are any other brands like take that format, put it worldwide? Mm-hmm. I think that's still pretty. In today's market, that's a pretty good representation. Do, would you put Yamaha up there? I would. And would you, who do you think is the next, take PRS out of it, the next company that's moving towards that sort of legendary
0: status? That's a really good question. Um, there's a number of guitar companies that are doing things that intrigue me. Um And I'm going to focus on more mass market than like small little there because, and I do that because it's, it's an easier thing to do in some respect to do something very unique when you're just building it. Yeah, I will say this though, without calling anyone out, I'm excited about the number of small builders that are building some stuff. Um, there is, I'm going to mess it up, Cologne guitars, um, it's a female-led guitar builder. She designs and builds these. She says she does R&D for bigger guitar companies, too. Um, she's on TikTok. Very cool stuff. Um, Greg Guitars builds some cool stuff. Like, they're All sorts of cool builders. They're, I've really been struck by this young, young lady in the UK who's building acoustic guitars. And she films on TikTok. It's great. And I'm just like, you know what? It's pretty awesome that some 20-something-year-old girl in the UK is building these Phenomenal looking acoustic guitar, so that excites yeah. me. Yeah, you know, period. Um, when Taylor came about, there was a bunch of that happening in the seventies, But all these small builders, you know, that were. Yeah. Now it's Tom Anderson and Taylor guitars and Deering banjos and stuff, but they were these upstarts in the seventies, yeah. so exciting for what the future holds. Um, Kiesel is Kiesel's interesting. Cool. Yeah. It comes from Carvin. Mm-hmm. I always thought Carvin was cool. It was a different approach. You know, they were one of the first doing direct to. To consumer type things I think there's benefits to that I think there's there's downfalls to that When without a dealer network fewer people get to experience your instruments and that limits it uh, to an extent but some of their designs are cool I'm excited with some of the stuff Ibanez is doing mm-hmm. um, they are leaning, you know, they tend to have a particular demographic mm-hmm. you know um, rock and rollers yeah. <laughs> But uh the, they're they're yeah, and they're leaning into that but with some really cool designs. Tosin Abbasi, man, listen. Young legend. Abasi, can you ever have anything in stock though? Like I, yeah. I wanted to actually buy a guitar and just couldn't get it in stock. But he's an amazing player. Yeah. I think I love his musical approach. People are probably like, What? Like you listen to this stuff? I love listening to like animals as leaders and stuff, particularly depending upon what I'm doing. And his designs are very futuristic. Yeah. You know, so I, I like that stuff. That stuff excites me. On acoustic stuff, um, you know, it's tough because most of the time when something new comes out, it's a small builder. Yeah. And it sometimes gets disseminated. Like the armrest bevel started with Grit Laskin. He's still a small builder. He makes mm-hmm. amazing guitars. Um, and you've seen that disseminate to small builders like Kevin Ryan, you know, or... Harris Acoustics, and, but and then big companies like Taylor. Yeah, here's
1: my question for you: Who do you think is the boutique Mount Rushmore? Two electrics, two acoustics.
0: I have been the most impressed playing a Greenfield guitar. He uh, he is in Canada. Makes phenomenal acoustic guitars. Um. And Santa Cruz. I played a Tony Rice. Those are insane that guitars. That made me want to weep. I was just floored with how good that guitar is. You know, they made an interesting decision years ago because they were growing uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And they made a choice to, to stay a certain size.
1: I think it's paid off for them. I mean... Well, if they get to do what they want to do. I would love to carry Santa Cruz and Collings. I yeah. mean, those are two of my favorites. They would definitely be up there for me. And, I mean, I know right now it's also different because everybody's still just trying to catch up with back orders. But it's like, what do what do they need from us? You know, <laughs> like I I would make a million videos for those guys and I still think that they would be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But Santa Cruz and Collings... Amazing. I think on the electric side, they're definitely big, but that's kind of the, you know, Sir. Mm-hmm. And just awesome guitars. Um, I don't know. Would you take, if you had to get a Strat from somebody that's not Fender?
0: It like would probably be Sir startup. Modern, actually. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Sir makes really nice Strats. Anderson makes really nice Strats and Tellys and all of that stuff. But they, they're modern. I really like because it's the Super Strat, but it's an offset body style. Yeah. Um, I have come very close to buying one of those repeatedly. Um, I really, really like them. Um, they also have a really fantastic tone. There's a particular sound, um, and it, there's a lot going on. It's pedals, and it's, it's, uh, it's amps and whatnot. But uh, do you ever watch Live at Daryl's House? Yeah. Okay, so the episode when Jason Mraz is there, um, they are doing. Try remember which uh, it's. I don't think it's ninety nine million miles. I think it's. I won't give up. And um, the guy who was playing lead guitar for that house band at the time is playing a Sir the white Sir Strat with like a humbucker in the bridge. And the tone he gets on that guitar is really phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I the other one that I like though, and it's actually technically in the Fender stable, is the Charvel Guthrie Govan. Yeah, uh, which, those are cool. And it's kind of funny because before he had that signature model, he played a Sir Classic uh, or or modern classic. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, There's some other really cool uh, electric kind of boutique manufacturers. I will say this. I'm kind of... <sighs> There's some really cool people making some really good stuff. I'm a bigger fan when I see original designs versus... This is my version of a Telecaster. Well, here's a curveball.
1: Well, do you consider this brand boutique, and do you consider it their version heritage?
0: Good question. I don't know if I consider them boutique. I consider them a uh, small factory builder. Yeah. Um, and no, I generally don't consider them original. I consider that, yeah, I mean, heritage, it's in the name. Right, it's yeah, you know what they've done is cool. They've stayed there. They've continued to build great guitars. They've fought through all of the legalities that they've had to deal with with Gibson, yeah. uh, in you know Kalamazoo, and uh, yeah, they build some really phenomenal instruments. But to to kind of prove my or emphasize the point that I'm making, Collings has the I35, fantastic, which guitar. is like a 335, yeah, but it's also not. Like man, the 335. those three thirty five. are so cool, man. And Collings, I would love you to death if you would just give me one the uh, yeah. the the solid wood carved top version, um, I, and I'll be buried with it. Um, so so that's yeah. that, I like that because it's an it's it's a very similar idea to an existing guitar. Yeah, that they've made their own. They've done that with a lot of designs. You mm-hmm. know, that, so it's like they have models that are a lot like a Martin model but it's got a bolt on neck and it's got some differences that they've done to it. And then they also have like their CJ, which is completely original design, which is a fantastic guitar, but there are, there are small companies out there and large guitar companies where all they're doing is copying fender. Yeah. And I'm, and I would rather see them do their own thing. And they may not because maybe they, they're afraid that they won't find the market if they do it. What's that? um, It's a Scandinavian company. That is uh, making those guitars where it's aluminum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like an aluminum skeleton with like a clamshell design and you can swap out the pickups.
1: I know what, you, what you're talking about. I don't know what they're called. And but they, I, yeah. um, relish. Like dill?
0: <laughs> Maybe. I think that's what it's called. I think it's relish. And those are really cool. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've, t- they've done some things that I'm like, okay, so instead of like a switch... It was like a touch sensitive pad that lit up and I looked at that and was like, that's a cool idea, but from a tactile standpoint it doesn't work. Right. So, but I love the experimentation. Yeah. So.
1: More experimentation, more uh, acceptance for people that don't play the brand that you
0: like. Well, and you know, and and don't, especially, I think a lot of people do it because they're trying to like defend their purchase. Look, you purchased what you purchased. If you have a Gibson and someone loves their Epiphone, fine. Let them love their Epiphone. Or if you have an Epiphone because you can't afford a Gibson, that's cool. I played an Epiphone Les Paul that I bought used at Crazy Cats Music in San Antonio for like 10 years.
1: Yeah. It was 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 a great guitar. Yeah. I've always heard this buddy of mine always talks about how the best guitar in the world. Is
0: the one that you're playing?
1: No, it's a Gibson.
0: (laughs) That's the true story.
1: Um yeah, it's just like hush, you know, play guitar, start yeah. learning more songs instead of complaining. There you go. Practice your scales.
0: Yeah, and and you know, I I'll I'll leave it with this. I hope two things happen. One, people embrace new builders that are doing a good job. Hold legacy builders accountable if they aren't doing a good job. Yes but also embrace new things from those legacy builders. If they are trying some new things, don't immediately just dismiss it.
1: Yeah. Unless it's the Gibson Theodore, <laughs> then make fun of it all you want.
0: What was the uh the the Dusk Tiger that Gibson tried? Oh reading? my god, what about yeah, but I did like that other one that they did, the Nighthawk. The Nighthawk was, was cool. That was tight,
1: dude. The Nighthawk was I cool. I love that guitar. It,
0: Gibson's misstep, missteps were always in the like we're going to be super technologically advanced. I did a whole video on it where I talked about like PV tried it back in the eighties. There was a synth guitar that cost more than people's houses. You know, that only Alan Holdsworth ever played. It was just, you know, (laughs) it's for the synth. Synth (laughs) Great new term. That's, that's for, that's that's for Zach's channel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) When he gets the DX one out that there's only a few in the world and it's just sitting in the warehouse. That's that's for the synth lawyers. Synth Lawyer stuff. Well, that's
0: good for me. Uh, I uh, Yeah. Go yeah, on. I mean, it's about music, like you said. Yeah. It's about getting better and uh, enjoying what you're doing. And if you're happy playing the same six chords or whatever, that's cool.
1: Do it on whatever you want.
0: If it's a $7,000 guitar, that's cool, too.
1: Invest in a good tuner. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Then you're good to go.
0: Well, we hope that you... uh you enjoyed listening to our rant about this. I'm curious what you guys think. Um, Hit us up on our YouTube channel sometime uh, or follow us on social and uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts uh, about this and Hey, stay positive and keep playing guitar and uh, tune in next time.